0: What do you want to dot da all? I don't know. What do y'all think we should dot Well, what did we die yesterday? Mm, yesterday. All oh, the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is ta da Monday or Tuesday? today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom and her birthday. oh no. no These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to progressive. That won't change. Not today or any da. Quote well, today at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. HD Smartcast You are listening to a mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello everyone. welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics, something that is critical in democracies like India especially in influencing what the little guy gets or does not get. Every week, this show will explore this intersection to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I am your host, Anil Padman In the run-up to Diwali this year, sale, purchase and bursting of crackers in NCR was banned. First by the National Green Tribunal and later by the Delhi government. Both were worried about rising pollution levels. Violators were warned that they would be prosecuted. Yet, on Diwali day, nothing changed. Yes, things were subdued. But by late night, crackers were lighting the skies in brilliant colours. The obvious question then, why did this ban not work? After all, the ban on smoking works. Worse, it triggered pushback as some felt that the band curbed their individual freedom and, of course, it eroded the credibility of the state government and NGT. To answer this and more, I spoke to Biju Dominic. He is the Chief Executive Officer of Final Mile Consulting and a Mint columnist. I began by asking him if he was surprised the cracker band did not work.
1: No, I wasn't surprised at all because uh, bands, if at all it works, it works. At a in, at a very uh, small level, it does not create uh, fundamental behavior changes. Why don't bans work? One, uh, it's because uh, you know, as soon as a ban is actually introduced, uh, there are a set of people who are the law-abiding citizens who will immediately will actually uh, you know to decide to abide by the law, and uh, and of course, with them for them, the the ban actually works, but. Um, What happens to most of the bans that happened is uh, most of the hardcore believers uh, in that particular practice that was banned tend to immediately take that particular problem uh, to the underground. So what was earlier, you know, it was seen on top. So we can look at alcoholism, you can look at uh, dowry, you can look at drugs. Uh, As soon as it was banned, uh, you know, what it has done is it's just gone underground, and what it also does is that it actually complicates the problem even further, because the problem is up there in in public is where the government and uh, you know the policy makers can actually step in. The moment it goes underground and mostly into one's personal space, it becomes uh, very very difficult to manage. And the other problem that happens to bans is that as soon as bans uh, are announced. Uh, there is also reactance in within people, which basically means uh, an opposite, a uh, re- uh, force sort of sets in and says, "Why? Who are you to ban it?" You know, and uh, and all those reactive forces starts coming in. So these are some of the reasons as to why uh, bans don't really work.
0: So, Vidhu, you mentioned about how when you impose a ban, things go into your private space where. policy intervention becomes very difficult. So how do you, you know, uh, bridge this problem? I mean, you need to provide a solution. You think the ban is a solution. But if ban is not the solution, how do you go about it?
1: Easier said than done. And more so regarding the ban, regarding uh, the bursting of crackers. It is, uh, let's face it, it is uh, a practice or a ritual that is associated with the biggest festival of this country. Uh, And also, which means clearly it has got religious and cultural undertones. And suddenly you talk about a certain change. Uh, It is not going to be palatable. It is not going to be easy for anyone to accept it. And um, and also it was a, a public expression of one of the inner faith and beliefs that people had. And obviously we need to tackle it. And how could we have done it? And I think uh, the whole attempt to look at it from the lens of pollution, I think, is definitely not the right way to uh, do it, because as soon as you speak about pollution, as I said, reactance is always a, 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 a you know a reaction. Sorry, you know, immediate response to a ban, and one of the reactance responses is uh, you tend to create a hierarchy as to where the problem that you are banned vis-a-vis the other causes. The problem. So, when you take pollution, and this is supposed to remove pollution, you immediately say, no, there are bigger issues. Look at pollution is being caused by the burning of coal. Pollution is being, uh, you know, caused by the burning of biomass. Uh, you know, the pollution is being caused by the fossil fuel and, and automotive cars. Now, you please go and solve all those problems and then come and solve this particular problem, which I'm just doing it for just one day in a year. So, what happens in the hierarchy of causes of, of the problem of pollution, this is a very, very small and almost seen as government or anyone is interfering just for the sake of it. And so there is a very clear, uh, you know, almost we're giving a very easy excuse for people to break this particular ban. So why is it that the plastic ban never worked? I think another very important facet about behavior change is any uh, behaviors that you ask me to change, and of whose of con, uh, consequences, one, far in the future, and two, uh, it is invisible. It's very difficult to change. So, for example, pollution. Uh, how much ever I know Delhi is at the extreme end of it, but it still is very difficult for people to really visualize the consequence of what is really doing to you. And if at all it does, it's health problem, I might have a lungs-related problem, that's going to happen much, much in the future. And there's a very interesting anecdote from history where, you know, anesthesia and antiseptics were almost discovered at the same time. Anesthesia was uh, adopted across hospitals in, in Europe and, and in the world in a very, very short time. Whereas antiseptics, uh, even almost 100, 150 years later, still not being adopted because the cause or the the consequence of not using an uh, anesthesia the you know, obviously you know the screaming and the the pain was very very visible and so immediately doctors adopted it but uh, germs which is actually at the core of the problem where antiseptic needs to come in is not visible and when the problem is not visible it's very difficult for people to uh, uh, to visualize what the consequence of it is so i think one of the areas that we will have to work on will be to how do you create far more visible signs of uh, of the crackers as a problem and then
0: tend to tackle it so you are suggesting that if you change the context you can change the behavior right yes i think changing context
1: is uh, obviously is one of the uh, you know one of the best ways to manage it and the whole framing of it is what we need to look at and uh, and i think this uh, whole facet of Trying to deal with the issue of crackers can be handled. Uh, first of all, we have to, we have to, all of us have to, as policymakers, should be aware that uh, this is not a behavior change that can be, you know, created in an on-off scenario. You know, okay, I do a ban and then whole problem goes away. Now, this we'll have to assume is a long drawn process, and we have to really invest a lot of time. Just a few days before Diwali comes in and you announce a ban and then you expect people to behave according to that, I think it's just not going to work. We need a much more long-term plan towards it. And ideally, it works when long-term plans work, where we begin with people who are far more impressionable. And uh, studies have also shown that a lot of very deep cultural norms that have existed uh, actually change only with each funeral. uh, Because, you know, the older generation, their brains are far too... You know, you know, involved in that particular norm, so they tend to very difficult to change. So, which means the best uh, target audience for inducing this particular behavior change would be children. So, school programs, which I'm told uh, some of the schools in North India did start doing it, and I would say we should that make it into a far more uh, widespread, because once children are see that this is not a very good. Practice, or this is not a good behavior to happen, and they become the sort of anti uh, this behavior. Sorry, anti the, uh, the social norm. I think this behavior would tend to then to pick up this. There's, there's no doubt about it. And the second I would actually say is that trying to speak from you know, I know the pollution levels, this gram, this, which is very very rational. That is just not the way to make behavior change. behavior changes don't happen with more and more facts being put on table. Although we might think we are all rational human beings, but um, the last uh, two decades with enough learnings coming from behavioral economics and more so with neuroscience clearly says one of the most uh, effective way to make a behavior change is to bring in emotions. And if we can bring emotions uh, into into this anti-cracker strategy,
0: uh, then I think behavior change would be much easier. Any thoughts about how you can inject emotion into uh, getting people to alter their behavior towards bursting crackers? I would link emotions with what
1: I had mentioned before, which is how do you make the problem, uh, and at least, you know, where do you see the, where the consequences are visible? Now look at uh, the issue of crackers. Where is and which? Where do you actually see the visible consequence of bursting crackers? And actually, that happens immediately on your, uh, you know, with with your pet animals because of uh, the sensitivity of their ears, which vis- are vis- 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 human ears. They have a torrid time. And I would actually say that means the, vis- the vis- 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 visibility, immediate vis- vis- visibility of the problem is with our pet animals. Second is with little kids. Little kids who otherwise would be sleeping peacefully, as soon as they hear crackers happening all around, they wake up, they cry. Uh the the sick, the elderly. I think these are set of people with whom you will see the consequence of this problem is will become very visible. And I think I would actually if when I have to if I had to work on a campaign or a behavior change strategy, I would use th- these as the core uh the you know, the most visible facet of the campaign and show the consequences, what happens to them. And then I would actually project the problem.
0: But then some bans do work. Take smoking, for example. Obvious question then, how come?
1: You know Today, smoking is actually, as a, as a behavior, is actually on the decline. Not many people would know that it all began with a high court judgment in India, uh, in Kerala. And that is where, you know, until that judgment happened, the whole approach to dealing with smoking as a problem was to, again, as I said before, very rational. Put a doctor's, you know, warning on the cigarette pack and tell them that there'll be so much of, you know, uh, impurities will get into the lungs. But I think uh, this particular high court judgment said that the public places, the man who's not smoking has a, a right to have clean air. So a man who stands in a public place and smokes is doing something which is wrong because he's taking away the right of the non-smoker to actually breathe, uh, you know, a clean air. Suddenly, an individual problem was made into a a public problem. And I think that did the trick. And uh, so the the judgment almost said, OK, if you want to smoke inside your house, OK, go and do it. But don't do it in public. And that did the trick. And I believe that same strategy could work here, too, which is that uh, because unlike, as I said in the before, that this problem will not go underground because unlike alcoholism or drugs or dowry, you can't burst crack or you can't do that in your private space. You have to come into the public space. And so in the public space, because, as I said, this has got to do with one of maybe the most important festival in our country, people will have to still celebrate and people should, people should continue to celebrate the most important festival of our country. But if there are a set of people in public, uh, you know, actually uh, demonstrates that I celebrate it in a certain way and that is not by bursting crackers, by but it is by certain other approaches and far more, let's call it far more cooler way I do it, that becomes a, a public sign. And that also becomes a, a sort of a little push for the others who might be bursting crackers that, hey, I'm being very uncool. It's like today, smoking and, you know, in public is seen almost as very uncool.
0: So Vijay, what you're suggesting is that uh, there are these earlier externalities of, you know, benefits of not smoking were never articulated to the degree that they are today. So you're saying this kind of trade-off uh, is now dominating the conversations which is an interesting uh, twist to this whole debate, right? Like what is good and what is bad? Exactly. And I think, uh, you know, earlier we had a very linear
1: way of dealing with problems and that came in with our belief that man is a rational human being and as long as you tell them not to do something, they will do it. But I think uh, human behavior by human beings we are all leading a very complex set of uh, you know uh, you know you know facets that will go into our behaviors I think we need to be much more smarter about how we deal with it and this is when I said we, we i mean the policy makers so uh, we need to really look at each problem and really have to go into the depths as to why the problem is happening and then we'll have to find out ways in which uh, how we can possibly solve that particular problem
0: Biju is making a great point here. The trick in implementing behavioural change is to alter the context. And in this, the best example are the metros that operate in our various cities. They are islands of cleanliness. So, Biju, as a behavioural scientist, uh, you talked about changing the context. In your own experience, can you share an example where you altered the context and you saw the results? Of behavioural change, you know,
1: one of the best examples is an example that I have not done. I think I have written that in Mint also, is that many a time I think we said that Indians are are clean only when we go to Singapore and uh, or Switzerland, and when I did uh, work uh, in in the metro stations on a very different project, uh, and went back to Calcutta Metro. Almost after about 22, uh, 28 years. And what I found was that Calcutta Metro, there wasn't a single paper being thrown around and no one is, there's not even a single spit mark in, in Calcutta Metro. And that's when I realized that, uh, you know, metros across the country, we actually maintain, uh, you know, a very different behavior. And uh and whether it's the old metros like Calcutta or a new metro like Delhi or even the latest ones like Cochin or uh, you know we we behave in a certain way, and that shows the power of context. That means the very construction and the, the the whole context of a metro which is slightly different from the rest of the the city. you know it slightly could be elevated, it could be slightly lower. So there are different facets that gone into to making metro, con- the context of metro different from the rest of the town, is actually inducing a completely different behavior in Indians, uh, in all of us, and the, who otherwise we spit, we throw paper all around. But due to some deeper facets of uh, that's happening in, you know within our human behavior, we tend to behave very differently. And I would say it's actually one of the most beautiful examples of of how our context can completely dramatically change uh, our behaviors and so the same can be applied to uh, any of the work uh, that uh, that we actually do for example we did that in road safety uh, we actually looked at the black spots and i think we created uh, what we call a little injections of fear otherwise people didn't have a, a feeling of fear in that context we just int- introduce a little injections of fear just before they reach these so-called accident spots. And we realize people become far more cautious in their driving and accident uh, rates came down by 50 to 60 percent. So this changing of context can be done in different ways. It, it can make a huge difference to
0: our behaviors. So, Biju, in this uh, metro case that you cited, what is it that they did, which uh, may, you know, set a outstanding context?
1: I think the multiple things, I and mean, I think uh, one is, of course, as I said, the physical demarcation. Metro stations have vis-a-vis the other places. So as soon as you walk in, you have a feeling: okay, you are entering into a slightly different place. That's one. Two is, I think, uh, even as the metros were being built, there is a, a a feeling of pride that was building up. And I know when I, growing up in Calcutta, uh, in the initial, in the early nineties. You know, I think every Calcutta felt very proud of this new thing that was happening in our in in that city. So there's a certain level of pride that really happens. The the third is yes, as soon as the metro opens, there is a certain amount of policing to actually do a bit of a, a creating a social norm. So there is a initial days or initial months alone, uh, you have certain people making sure that you don't throw paper or you know you you create a, 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 a very very clean and the good old principle of the broken window concept where we're making sure that no windows are broken so the feeling that we people are getting it is that this is a place where people or the the larger you know the the government or the policy this one is taking care of it so let me not be the first person to throw a paper down there and once that feeling that this is a place where no broken windows are there then i think we tend to behave in a very different way and that is what has really happened to metros. It wasn't very conscious. Only when later when I pointed this out to the railway authorities, they themselves realized that, uh, you know, oh, we've done a great job. Because one of the areas where railways asked us to look into was how can we make the rest of the railway stations uh, clean or you know, the trains very clean. And I said, you guys are already doing an extremely good job in the metro stations. Can we get a bit more deeper into that behaviors And can we adapt that into the other uh, railway stations? It is possible, Uh, just that we need to think a bit more harder.
0: So effectively, you are saying the people have become stakeholders in the cleanliness project in Metro's. Yeah, I think you have raised a very important point. Yes, I
1: strongly believe governments cannot be responsible for uh, you know the normal common man's behaviors. And these bans tend to uh, put the ball into government's court alcoholism, you know, handling it, or any other, no, no, government is not doing a good job. Their bans are not working. Or that department is not doing a good job of policing. But I believe real behavior changes uh, should happen and will happen only if the individual citizen is actually held responsible for actually enacting the right behaviors. And any program that we develop should not be about just improving the policing. It should be about each individual actually realizing, and ideally it could happen at a non-conscious level, as it is happening right now in our metro stations, or what we have done for most of our projects, it is brilliant. And that is when the individual citizen takes responsibility for uh, for enacting the right behavior, is where behavior change happens across the society, across the country.
0: So you heard Biju, there are no shortcuts to effecting behavioral change. Exactly why Bans fail more often than they succeed. Instead, the key is to make people stakeholders. Altering the context to reframe the debate, it will provide a durable solution in a democratic framework. Can anything be better? That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Do share your feedback and ideas. You can reach me on Twitter at Capital Calculus or on Facebook and Instagram at HTSmartCast. On a personal note, this is the final episode of this season of Capital Calculus. Till our paths cross again, stay safe. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.